It's 9.07. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. Oh, boy. Uh, so the big debate happened last night in Pennsylvania. Uh, Brian, uh, did you watch it? You know, I I didn't. I turned on at uh, 7 o'clock, and uh, I guess I missed it. He, he was saying goodnight, and I was like, man, I, darn, I wanted to see that so bad. As lieutenant governor, you're running for a seat that could decide the balance of power in Washington. What qualifies you to be a U.S. senator? You have 60 seconds. Hi. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the part that I saw. And I was like, okay, was I'm the, out. That was his opening <laughs> statement. <laughs> good night, everybody. Oh, boy, the Oz campaign has some tough decisions to make. Um. This was this was not a good turn. I, I knew it was going to be entertaining, and it was. Uh, but the Oz campaign has to be very, very careful how they handle this from here on out. Because they could look mean. Because um, there are, you know, bits of that debate uh, that would make great fodder uh, for talk radio. But would not be particularly good in a in an Oz commercial. Um, here, here he is. Uh, let's see uh, on his medical records. You have not released your detailed medical records surrounding your stroke, Mr. Fetterman. Will you pledge tonight to release those records in the interest of transparency? You have sixty seconds. No. Uh, to me, for transparency is about showing up. I'm here today to have a debate. I have. You know, spe uh, speeches in front of 3,000 people in Montgomery County, you know, all across Pennsylvania, big, big crowds. You know, I believe if my doctor believes that I'm fit to serve and, and that's what I believe is appropriate. And now with two weeks before the election, you know, I have run a campaign and I've been very transparent about being very open about the fact we're in use captioning. And I believe that, again, my doctors, the real doctors that I believe in, they all believe that I'm ready to be served. Follow up. I didn't hear you say you would release your full medical records. Why not? You have 30 seconds. <laughs> No, uh, yeah, again, my Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing. Uh, I guess that's a no. Uh, I, I guess so. Um. Uh, yeah, again, my Dr. L believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing. Okay. <laughs> that's where he's standing. Uh, uh, this was just... This was just not pretty for the Democrats. Um, I watched the whole thing, and it was to me it was amusing. My wife is a clinical speech pathologist who's worked with stroke victims, understands the struggles that he's gone through and how hard he must have worked to get where he is, but he is just not there yet. Back to you, Mr. Fetterman, for a follow-up. In an op-ed for the Wilkes-Barre Times leader, you wrote, quote, It is time we crack down on the big price-gouging corporations that are making record profits while jacking up prices for all of us. How do you plan to do this, sir? You mentioned price going after price-gouging corporations. How do you plan to do this? You have 30 seconds. Yeah, exactly. We have to keep pushing back on that. And he would never make that choice to, to fight for uh, for, for uh, Amer. Uh, 
families here in Pennsylvania. You know, he has never met an air, uh, uh, an oil company that he doesn't swipe right about. You know, he has never been able to stand up for working families all across Pennsylvania. You know, we must push back. Inflation has hurt Americans and Pennsylvania's families, and it has given the oil companies record profits. All right. Thank you, Mr. Fetterman. Turning to the next issue. Down. Uh, did you get an answer out of that? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, all right, so it, it was truly a train wreck, uh, and I and I do I feel sorry for this guy, um, but I don't think Oz can use the sound bites of his answers without appearing to be, you know, kind of cruelly highlighting his medical problems. Uh, and it could, it, yeah, that could boomerang. It, it could go in the uh, in the other direction. But I thought Oz did pretty well. Uh, there was a point where he was being asked about whether he would vote for uh, 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 abortion, and Lindsey Graham's answer: uh, Lindsey Graham wants to make it uh, a national issue. And you know, he answered. I thought pretty clearly. Uh, he. You know, he said it's uh, something that should be locally done by doctors and women and politicians in, in the local uh, uh, area where they live. And he went over that like three times. And my takeaway from listening to that was he would not vote for Lindsey Graham's uh, national anti-abortion law because he thinks it should be a local decision. And yet, when I look at, uh, for instance, uh, MSNBC, they came away with a whole different view. I was kind of surprised. Uh, they they didn't um, they didn't see what I saw. Three times, Dr. Oz was asked whether he would support a federal ban on abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy, as Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina has proposed. And three times, Dr. Oz declined to give a straight answer, offering a vivid illustration of how difficult some Republican candidates are finding it to navigate the abortion debate after Roe v. Wade was overturned. Well, it wasn't. He said this is a, an issue for doctors and women and local politicians. He never, he, he clearly was saying that this doesn't belong at the federal level. So the spin has begun uh, on the left, and I don't, I don't think it can be saved. I really don't think it can be saved. So how do you decide if you were, if you were going to prognosticate uh, this, uh, this, the outcome of this election? Well, John Stossel has a, a great way of doing it. Uh, we'll play uh, the Stossel piece here in just a couple of minutes, and I'll tell you where the real polling data are on that race and others on the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. I'm not sure that I'm going to have time to play this right now. Maybe I'll play it in a couple of minutes. I actually think that libertarians should spend more time in the media... And moderating these debates and less time running for office. I was I, I watched uh, as they asked uh, several questions like, 
And they're very leading questions. What will you do to save Medicare? What will you do to save Social Security? How will you do that? As a libertarian, I would never ask that question. I, I wouldn't. I would phrase it... Let me, as, as a for instance, I would offer the following question. We're $31 trillion in debt. Social Security is going broke. How could you save Social Security without increasing the national debt? That would be an awakening. Because there is no way to do that. You can't... <laughs> yeah, you can't. get a humana, humana, humana. Yeah, but, but they didn't ask that. Uh, and, and I was realizing that you can't win as a libertarian. You cannot win as a libertarian as long as the media keep asking questions the way they're asking. So if I'm a libertarian... And they say to me, uh, uh, Mr. Nolan, um, what would you do to save Medicare? I would privatize it. It's going broke. And whose money, whose paycheck should I take to preserve it? Should I take your money, your neighbor's money, your children's money? Privatize it. That would go over like a lead balloon. And I have some experience with this as a libertarian. But if we were on the other side, if we were asking the questions, we could box them in, force them to answer. $31 trillion in growing social programs driving the national debt. You present it that way so that people who are listening go, oh my God, you, you can't fix this without increasing that national debt and... The reason we're in such deep financial doo-doo is because of these programs? There will be no United States of America. There will be no health care. There will be no retiring if the dollar collapses or the country can't pay its debts. It's the ultimate insult, the death of the republic. But, but nobody, uh, nobody phrases the questions the way I think we should. So that's, if you're a libertarian, uh, go to J school, uh, eat whatever it is they, they try to feed you, uh, then go out and get a job in the media so that hopefully at some point you can ask the questions that the Democrats and the Republicans won't ask. That's, that's my advice for the Libertarian Party. It's okay to keep running for office. It's okay to highlight what you believe. We need people to get into the media and start asking the tough questions and doing it the right way. Uh, one of the other highlights, and uh, Brian was uh, playing this during the break, was minimum wage. And apparently, oh, that's a good segment. Yeah. Apparently, this gave Brian apoplexy. <laughs> do, you, do you have that audio handy? I don't have it with me. Okay. Um, I have uh, like six minutes of uh, classic. <laughs> moments of the entire debate it's like oh my god did anybody else want to watch i mean i it literally was just pure entertainment for me it was just pure entertainment um they were asking about uh raising minimum wage and oz to his credit talked about the market driving up wages which is correct 
it's ab it's it was the right answer. But Fetterman, of course, wants to just oh he's it. pretty much uh, t using the line that people can't survive on minimum wage and they're just getting a start in life and, and it's like dude. These people need to learn a skill set. It's not a full-time job for these people. And this guy just wants to raise the minimum wage to a rate that he feels that they can get by. And you can't just do that. No. Uh, you, you create a, a hierarchy of problems because the people who were uh, making $15 an hour... When you raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, they're going to want more money. Hey, you just hired this guy to sweep the floor at the same rate that you're paying me, and I'm doing maintenance. I want to raise, too. It's not just one tier. It's everybody on the, on the pay scale. Large companies really struggle with this, so do smaller ones. And they even talked about, you know, some companies just simply wouldn't, be able to make those higher payrolls and exist. And it was Oz that brought it up. So, you know, Oz may not be the best candidate in the world, but by comparison, he looked pretty good. The real question is, do you trust Oz to really be a conservative, to stick to those principles? I'm not entirely convinced. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, so then they started uh, doing their spin after the debate, uh, trying to make Fetterman look better. Here we go. They're, they're going to try and make this look as good as they can, and it's, it's tough. So Oz is, is going to rip us off. He's going to support oil companies that rip us off and, and major corporations. that Everybody is ripping us off except the Democrats. They're, they're the only ones who aren't ripping us off, according to them. Uh, and, and they are going to use sympathy. They're working the sympathy uh, uh, aspect of this. Hey, he's been knocked down and he's getting back up again. And who doesn't associate with that? Who doesn't, uh, you know, who hasn't gone through that? And he's just your everyday guy. Well, that isn't enough. This will determine the control of the U.S. Senate. If this race uh, stays Republican... There are a couple of other opportunities for the Republicans to take the Senate. And it's looking better and better every day. Stossel has um, come up with a way that, that really is it's better than listening uh, to my prognostications. It's better than listening to the pollsters. The pollsters are off constantly. They've been off every time. But there is a better way. We'll, we'll play that for you uh, right after the news at the bottom of the hour. Uh, and I'll tell you where people stand uh, on the race um, in the bottom of the hour. Wall Street Journal did an opinion piece. Is the Fetterman-Oz debate too late? One of the things that I've been harping on is this early voting thing. It's such a bad idea. 
because you you don't know until the last minute what might change. They write, voters in Pennsylvania Tuesday night finally got a debate between their Senate candidates. Uh, Democrat Fetterman, Republican Oz. Uh, Mr. Fetterman is still recovering from a stroke. He relied on closed captions to understand the debate questions. Voters can decide if he allayed concerns about their health. Remarkably, though, almost half the mail ballots requested in Pennsylvania have already been cast and returned, according to uh, the U.S. Elections Project. As of Tuesday, two weeks before what used to be quaintly called Election Day, officials received 635,428 mail votes out of a million three hundred. Uh, uh, 310,189 that voters originally requested. That's 48%. Given the delay between voter mailbox, the voter's mailbox, and the local elections office, the true figure is even higher. Most certainly, uh, most people continue to vote on election day, but the data there aren't exactly comforting. Five million people voted in Pennsylvania's 2018 Senate race, assuming this year's final turnout ends up being similar. Roughly 10% of the vote could be already cast for Mr. Fetterman or Mr. Oz before the public even had a chance to see them mix it up on TV. The stubborn partisan split won't help either. Of those recent male voters, 73% are registered as Democrats and only 19% as Republicans. Given how slow Pennsylvania is at counting ballots, the state could produce a repeat of 2020. On election night, uh, night, Mr. Oz could have a nice lead, which might be whittled to nothingness as mail ballots are slowly counted in the ensuing days. Who wants to bet whether President Trump will urge Mr. Oz to claim a premature victory? These are national trends that get practically no attention, but they should. You vote early, and this is something the Democrats have been pushing and the Republicans have acquiescing, uh, acquiescing to, and you don't know. There are Democrats who watched that election, uh, that debate last night, who decided they weren't going to vote for Fetterman. They listened to him, and they thought, oh my, this guy is not ready for prime time. This guy is not presidential. So I was definitely, uh, I'm an independent, by the way. I was definitely leaning towards Fetterman. And I think I have totally changed to the Oz side. Why? I felt that um, Fetterman, I felt that Fetterman just looked like he didn't have command of the facts. I do think his condition, unfortunately, is going to affect his ability to do the job. I thought Oz... Uh, was pretty clear on the issues, um, and I thought he presented himself well and uh, definitely threw out some plans where I didn't see any plans coming out of Fetterman. If he had voted early, he'd be uh, SOL. He would be out of luck. All right. Uh, How to find out where the election is really going? We'll tell you about that next. On the Gary Nolan Show, the Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show. 
It's the Gary Nolan Show, and it is uh, 9.35. Glad to have you with us. So everybody's trying to figure out which way the race is going to go nationally. Are the Republicans going to take over the Senate? Uh, I think everybody's pretty confident that the House is going to the Republicans. Uh, the Senate's the big question. Uh, and there are people like me who do this for a living. We watch everything, and we try to figure out which way things are going. But there is something about wisdom of the masses and people who are willing to put their money where their mouth is that, well, seems to really focus pretty accurately on uh, on who's, who's doing what and where. John Stossel has a piece on this. I'll play that for you now. The midterms are here. Which party will win? Recently, people on TV said, Looks like Democrats will win the House. There is a blue wave going on right now, and I think it's it's the House is in play. I'm optimistic. I believe that we will hold the House. We will hold the House by winning more seats. More seats? Want to bet? When those predictions were made, people who do bet on elections thought Republicans had more than a 70% chance of winning back the House. So whom should we trust? We got the people who bet. The experts on TV, polls, and there are lots of them. And finally, professional election forecasters. Among the forecasters, 538 has the best track record. As I record this, it says Democrats are slightly favored to win the Senate. The Economist agrees. Democrats will keep their majority. But the people who bet say otherwise. And I believe the people who bet the moment they think republicans are solid favorites to win the senate and even more likely to win the house i get those numbers from my site electionbettingodds.com i don't make bets we just convert data from betting sites around the world and average it together to produce the single best estimate and percentages that are easy for simple people like me to understand now the bettors don't get everything right A week before Election Day, Hillary was a big favorite at 75%. On election night, the betting began reversing before 9 p.m. While on TV, they were still saying things like... It looks like Donald Trump is more likely than not to lose. The betting markets had already switched to Trump. Only hours after the betting switched did the media finally realize... Donald Trump wins the presidency. The bettors are usually right. Last election, they predicted Biden's win and called nearly every state correctly. Over time, betting has been a better predictor than polls, pundits, statistical models, and everything else. ElectionBettingOdds.com tracked hundreds of races. It does turn out that when bettors think a candidate has a 63% chance, those candidates do win about 63% of the time. Bettors do better than the media's prediction models and polls because bettors consider things that polls and models often miss. In 2016, polls had Clinton way ahead because they overlooked people without college degrees. And of course, some voters just don't tell poll takers the truth. If we would have believed the polls, nobody would have voted. Who knows what mistakes the pollsters and pundits are making now? Democrats with 48% support among likely voters. Why does anyone even listen to those people? Election after election, they get a lot wrong and they get it late. Year after year, the most reliable predictors are people who bet on future events. People who put their money where their mouths are. 
Maybe you want to do that. As I said, most of the betting markets are overseas. That's because narrow-minded American politicians, for no good reason, outlawed betting on elections. However, the government did make an exception for this site, predictit.org. Here, Americans can bet up to $850. There are all kinds of wagers you can make. Which party will win Pennsylvania's Senate race? Arizona's gubernatorial race? Will Kamala Harris be president? If you think you're smarter than the so-called experts, here's your chance to show it. It literally pays to be right. In 2016, these people had a betting party at this bar. You were at 23 earlier. I'm a junkie, uh, political junkie, so I love it. If you think today's predictions are wrong, you can join Predicted.com, bets, and you'll make money if you're right. On election night, I won't watch these blabbermouths on TV. I'll just grab my phone and watch electionbettingodds.com. I know I'll get the truth here first. Wow. So betting, you know, the, these people have literally put their money where their mouths are. And they're pretty accurate. So the next question might be, what does it look like uh, in, uh, in Pennsylvania? Well, right now in Pennsylvania... The better the betters are offering that Oz will win. Democrats at forty cents, Republican is at sixty-four. So they're predicting that Oz will win. My guess is that they are correct. Uh, and I, you can listen to the pundits. You can listen to me. I mean, I, I I look at everything that's going on. I try to assess what direction where politically things are 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 going. But these people, they put their money in it, and they're pretty careful, and they're pretty good. 874-9390, the toll-free number is 800-529-5572. Um, we've got uh, O'Keefe looking at the Mark Kelly uh, uh, campaign. Uh, O'Keefe, of course, uh, has been exposing the left seemingly forever uh we'll uh, we'll see if we can get some of that uh, some of that audio for you and uh electric cars are they actually the future a piece in the wall street journal but i'm gonna i'm gonna change directions entirely here in a couple of minutes i've talked about ufos a couple of times on the program and i was skeptical i don't trust the government uh, but i also didn't think it likely originally that we would be, you know, watched by people from another planet. And then I started seeing these military videos. And I started thinking, well, maybe I'm wrong. And I finally got to the point where I was totally, absolutely up in the air. It was either communist China or the U.S. military or it was somebody from another planet. I had convinced myself it had to be one of those three things. And I guess the military, uh, the, the video from the U.S. Navy and uh, the Air Force, kind of sealed the deal for me. And then the science writer, uh, who's been apparently looking at uh, the UFO stories and the UFO videos, he's actually got an entire Facebook page. Uh, where he uh, engages in uh, in debate and discussion and 
plays the videos and the and the the pictures, and he came away with an opinion that absolutely blew me away, and convinced me, one way or the other. Uh, we will play an interview that uh, that he did. Just a couple of minutes on the Gary Nolan Show. It's the Zimmer Radio Network. It is uh, 48 minutes after 9 o'clock. Glad to have you with us. By the way, Brian, uh, I think when we have debates in Missouri, Senate debate, House debate, whatever, I think people should lobby to have me be one of the people offering up questions and... and, uh, See, I was talking about this earlier. We were talking about the Oz thing, the questions and the way they were phrased. And I think libertarians need would to be make in the a mix. Good moderator. Well, I would ask questions if that, they answered something that was completely ridiculous. Would you jump in and challenge them? I mean, because that's not the moderator's job. Well, they, you know, <laughs> in this Fetterman, it's uh, hard not to correct them if they're making a complete misstatement on something in the oz fetterman debate they jumped in with a follow-up question i did notice that yeah uh and i thought it was very well done in that respect i just think that they're they're not thinking outside the box and i would i mean how would you like to be a democrat or a republican running for office and promising to fix Social Security and keep Medicare and have that question proposed the way I did earlier in the program. How, would, how could you possibly answer that question without coming to the conclusion or that people watching and listening would come to the conclusion that it's not sa- it, it, you couldn't save it? I, I really do. I think... Next time there's a Senate debate uh, or a House debate, uh, you all should uh, call the media and say, I want Gary Nolan to be one of the people asking questions. That would really upset the apple cart. Oh, would they resist that? (laughs) All right. Let me do this thing. This uh, the UFO thing. This clarified it for me and it might for you, too. We'll find out. uh, I'll ask you about it later. Uh, This is available, by the way, at Reason Magazine. Uh, You might go to Reason.com, but here we go. I'm kind of unpopular in the UFO community because a lot of people think that I'm a bit of a... I have a bit of a negative outlook and they prefer things to be aliens. All the UFO videos we have are blurry, and it's not because alien spaceships are blurry. It's because when you zoom in, you see that it's not an alien spaceship, at least so far. Science writer Mick West is the author of Escaping the Rabbit Hole, How to Debunk Conspiracy Theories Using Facts, Logic, and Respect. And he runs a popular YouTube channel where he takes a detailed look at alleged UFO sightings, finding that phenomena thought to be visitors from another planet almost always have far more pedestrian explanations. It's almost like a spiral of lights rotating. It's very confusing. But several people on Reddit and Twitter have already suggested what I think is the correct explanation. Flares drop from three small planes. The only time I can't explain what a UFO is, is when there's not enough information. On June 24, 1947, a pilot named Kenneth Arnold saw nine disc-shaped objects near Mount Rainier, Washington, which was the first reported UFO sighting and one factor in the decision to create Project Blue Book. A team of investigators with the U.S. Air Force that over 17 years studied the veracity of these claims. By the time it dissolved in 1969, the group had studied nearly 13,000 UFO sightings. 
concluding that almost all of them could be attributed to other phenomena. 5%, however, are still unexplained. The cultural obsession with flying saucers and alien invaders reflected Cold War fears of nuclear annihilation and communist infiltration. From the blob, to close encounters of the third kind, to E.T. and the X-Files, to Men in Black, Hollywood stoked our fascination with the threat of foreign invasion. Mikey? Or the promise of connecting with visitors from another world. We're really looking for some kind of holy grail of UFO videos, which would be something that is unambiguously weird. Something where we can look at this video and say, oh, that's definitely something unusual. But that really hasn't come along yet. We're just seeing these fuzzy blobs in the distance. This video was leaked and it showed what looked like flying green triangles. It wasn't flying pyramids, it wasn't anything amazing, it wasn't UFOs. It was just a camera artifact caused by a triangular aperture. I think I've got a lens here and it has a triangular aperture. When you film things through it that are out of focus, it makes them into little triangles. In recent years, the UFO craze has migrated from the grocery store rag, The Weekly World, to The New York Times, Time Magazine, Politico, and Forbes. In 2017, declassified video shot in 2004 showed unusual radar readings off the coast of California that was captured by U.S. Navy pilots. It was covered on 60 Minutes. He says, I'm coming down, it starts coming up. So it's, it's mimicking your moves. Yeah, it was aware we were there. You want to see how close I can get. So I go like this, and it's climbing still. And when it gets right in front of me, it just disappears. Disappears? Disappears. Like gone. West says that this video, now known as a Tic Tac UFO sighting, can easily be explained. If you actually analyze the video, you can go in and go frame by frame and look at what's actually happening. You see that every time the object moves, it's just because the camera is moving. Because every time you, you switch modes on the camera, he has to recapture the object, which means the object can kind of keep moving off to the side. You can look at the numbers at the top of the screen and you see the camera's actually tracking from, from right to left. And at the end of the video, uh, all that's happened is it, it stops tracking. Now, if you're following an object, like if you're looking at, say, a, a race car through some binoculars, and you stop rotating your head, you know, the, race tra the race car will just like zip out of your field of vision. Mainstream buzz about UFOs reached a crescendo in 2017, with a New York Times article headlined, Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. It revealed that the Pentagon had secretly secured $22 million to investigate the subject. That was one of the biggest stories, if not the biggest story, that the New York Times Digital Edition ever had. It sounds like a plot out of the X-Files, part of a once-secret government program to investigate sightings of so-called anomalous aerial vehicles in the skies. The entire government, what they were doing, they kind of disguised the program as if it was just about the future of aerospace. And they phrased it as saying, yeah, we are going to study what needs to happen in aerospace over the next 20 years. And then we had these videos which actually came from the US government that appeared to show things that were really, really interesting. And so that got everybody kind of talking about it and thinking that there was something to the story. Do you think the government knows more about UFOs or UAPs than they're letting on? Yeah, the government's this big, oh, very difficult to get with, to grips with, very complicated organization with lots of moving parts that they don't talk to each other. So there are these weird little corners of it here and there. 
and it is not like the entire Pentagon has been studying crashed UFOs. There's a large body of secrets that the government has, and partly this is out of necessity. There are obvious uh, national security implications, but also a large part of it is just the default position of the government. There's an excessive amount of secrecy, which is you know, it's a bureaucratic burden. It would be great if they would tell us more about what they know about what these videos are, uh, what analysis they have done. There are very real issues that you could say fall under the rubric of UFOs or UAPs. If a pilot sees an object in the sky and they can't identify what that object is, we can't just ignore that. We can't just pretend it didn't happen. And we know this type of thing happens a lot because pilots give these reports. So in that sense, we need to figure out what's going on. The New York Times bombshell led to a frenzy of new interest. In 2020, the Pentagon established a task force to study UAPs, or unidentified aerial phenomena. And just a year later, with a push from Senator Marco Rubio, Congress demanded that the task force release a report on everything it knows about UFO sightings. That report ran just nine pages. What's happening in government now is they're trying to get past some kind of whistleblower protection. Uh, they're trying to make it so that people can come forward and tell their stories of having seen some kind of UFO without worrying about non-disclosure agreements. UAP-focused startups are popping up everywhere, with a focus on building better detection equipment and software. Seemingly, their goal is to contend for military contracts if the government continues allocating funding to study the issue. The big rumor that is getting everyone excited in the UFO community right now is the U.S. government actually has recovered some kind of material or technology from crashed flying saucers. They think there's a crash retrieval program within the U.S. government. At a congressional hearing, Deputy Director of Navy Intelligence Scott Bray said this wasn't true. But that doesn't stop people from speculating. I listened to this guy. Uh, I went to his YouTube channel. And it, it finally, it just, it came, it came to me. They're not visiting us from another planet. It's probably not the U.S. or the Chinese military. These anomalies are probably just camera angle, camera lens, that sort of thing. I no longer am in doubt. We have not been visited by strangers from another planet. They're not out there watching us. Um, it's When he talked about the camera lens and that little triangular thing, if you watch those videos, he, hold, he holds up a camera lens to the light, and you can see how the... The, the triangle appears on the screen as the camera is trying to focus. No. No, folks. We're not being visited by people from another planet. Except maybe for Joe Biden. But that's another story. Gary Nolan, Zimmer Radio Network. This is the Gary Nolan Show.